into the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after show entertainment. Very good game, TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, welcome into another Dodgers Wrap 360 right here on AfterBuzz TV. Why are you waving into my camera? Oh, oh. I thought we were saying hello to the, all the people that are God. Doing, I mean, if we weren't, and listening. If we weren't live streaming right now on this Dodgers postseason... Are you drunk? No, I'm good. <laughs> You're the one with the bloodshot eyes. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm Bobby DeMuro. That's Mike Conley uh, behaving like an asshole. You were doing... Keeping it consistent. You were doing what... From a Mets fan's perspective, Chase Utley did the other night. How's that for a little segue connection? I would say that is a really rocky segue. <laughs> From a Rockies <laughs> fan, I guess that uh, makes sense. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, we're talking games one and two of the NLDS right now. We're live streaming this at 6.17 p.m. on Sunday, October the 11th. So if you're watching this live, I am at... at <laughs> I am at Bobby DeMiro. He does not have a Twitter. So if you want to tweet me right now at Bobby DeMiro or tweet us at AfterBuzzTV, if you have questions, comments, whatever about the Dodgers, send them. We'd love them. If you're not watching live, we get a lot of comments now on YouTube. You can rate us on iTunes. You can comment all week on YouTube. We're going to have a lot of stuff you guys are going to want to comment on. So if you comment during the week, I take a look at that. He does not understand the Internet, but I take a look at that. And, uh, he lets me and, know about it. And we talk back. Yeah, he, he's going to get an email address one of these years. Uh, but I can I can talk with you. So so please do comment and talk. We're obviously going to talk more NLDS next week. I'll tell you more about that later because the schedule might change a little bit. But let's talk games one and two. Game two is the one everybody wants to talk about. It's the Chase Utley slide. We're going to put it on hold for just a minute because wow. we got to cover game one first. I want to get game one out of the way. Look at you all chronological. <laughs> I'd rather go forward chronological than reverse because if we talk about game two now, we're going to lose the entire show to game two and the slide and that inning and controversy and Twitter and all this True. stuff. So let's get game one out of the way. Is there such a thing as reverse chronologi- chronolo- chronology? Yes. Reverse chronological order is where you go in, in order, but you go backwards. So like, instead of 1930, 31, 32, you go 32, 31, 30. Oh, for real? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Let's, let's <laughs> do it the regular chronological. Um, <laughs> game one, Dodgers lose three to one. They do. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, very, very good. Clayton Kershaw, pretty damn good himself. A little wild, has some command issues, bit him in the ass in the seventh inning. <sighs> Did Clayton Kershaw get the playoff monkey off his back in game one, or does he still have more to prove? Or, as I'm seeing some people say, was this not that great of a start? It was a good start. I mean, he pitched well enough to win, no doubt about it. Yeah. And I think that... Um, this has kind of been the problem for, that we've seen for the Dodgers kind of creep up now and again and not being able to get the clutch hit at the clutch time, you know. Um, and that that's kind of been the, the, the deal this year with the Dodgers where Kershaw and Grinky have had to be flawless in order for them to win games. I mean, look at that stretch Grinky was on where, like, he didn't win a game or, like for, like, six starts. I, I don't have the numbers, but it was a ridiculous thing where he was getting no run support. 
Um, but I thought it was a good enough start. Uh, you know, he did come a little bit unglued there in the seventh with all the walks and stuff. I still would have left him in. Me too. You know? I think that's... You know, Don Mattingly takes a lot of heat from a certain segment of the Dodgers population. Another segment says, hey, division winner, you can't, you know, what are you going to do? Um, I'm usually in that second segment. He, he's managing a very good team. He might not be the best manager. He's got a hell of a payroll, but he's also not atrocious. Uh, you're not going to fire him right now. But there are some decisions you do have to second guess. And one of them to me is Pedro Baez to face David Wright. Uh, righty, righty, I get it. Fresh reliever in an important situation, I get it. Clayton Kershaw had thrown, what, 114, 113 pitches? Yeah. I understand. But in the playoffs, if this is August, you don't want him to throw 113. You're going to take him out. This is the playoffs. Even if it's the NLDS, he can probably throw 130. Yeah. I know that's asking a lot, but a horse like Kershaw, yeah. he, he wants to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's earned the right to get out of that inning. You put your best pitcher. Who is your best pitcher? If if it's not Kershaw in that moment, the only best pitcher out of the bullpen's Kenley Jansen. Yeah. There's no other answer, and, and managers do not want to bring their closer in in the seventh inning. Now, arguably... That would have been a Kenley Jansen spot. That's the spot to use a closer when a game needs needs to be closed and it's not the ninth. You know, you and I talk about this all the time. All the and time, I love it. And you, you know, this is why I have such a favorable opinion of the Rangers because Jeff Bannister yeah. is going to be that manager. They do that. That breaks the ice on that, and they should. You know? And this was, and I know that they were tied at the same time, so so Kenley Jansen wouldn't have technically been closing the game. It was a tie game, one to one at that point. But you still had a situation where you needed an out. And you didn't get it from Pedro Baez. He did it one batter too late. Yeah. Uh, just let Clayton Kershaw, let your best pitcher pitch against one of their most important hitters and let your best face their best. And if your best doesn't do it, hey, tip the cap. But when Pedro Baez doesn't do it, it leaves a real bad taste. Yeah. And uh, you, you watch the game, right? Yeah. During the telecast, too, once they made that change... Ron Darling even mentioned this, and I was shocked by it. He's like looking at Baez's stats and stuff, and he's like, "Oh, only chink in the armor is that he get, he gets hit at a three forty clip by the first batter he faces." <laughs> I'm like, "What? Does Don Mattingly not have this, this uh, information?" It's awesome. Because and look, I mean, Pedro Baez like. That number is about three fifty seven now. Yes, <laughs> hasn't it's a thousand in the playoffs. <laughs> he hasn't had a terrible season like he's been good a lot i mean the whole bullpen struggled at times so he's definitely had he's scuffled but he's been fine like i don't i don't distrust pedro Baez. Yeah. if you had to if you had to say you know half good half bad in the bullpen he's on the good half yeah but that doesn't mean you put him in in this situation in game one no it's, not over kershaw clayton kershaw strikes out 11 what is it, 11 guys in six and two-thirds i know he walked three in the last inning mm. strikes out 11 and six and two-thirds so he gets 19 20 outs 11 of which are strikeouts. And you don't believe he can roll the dice and even get a strikeout or any old out. He just needed one. But get any old out against a guy like David Wright. It's disappointing. Yeah. And the it was eerily similar to the situation one year ago versus the Cardinals. Yeah, where that's a good point. Where he left him in and Kershaw got hit. That's a good point. You know, so I'm wondering, do you think Mattingly, that affected Mattingly at all? Because to me, it's apples and oranges because Coppola was who he was facing last year, and Capita was absolutely creaming him that game. Yeah. He really had him locked in. Wright couldn't touch him the other night. Yeah. You know? So it's like, what does this guy have to do to the, earn the right to pitch himself out of this inning? And, and I think, too, it's it's if you're going to get hit and if you're going to go down, 
I would rather leave your ace in too long than bring him out too prematurely. Yeah. It's a different conversation with Brett Anderson. If Brett Anderson had been there in the exact same situation, you'd say, take him out. He probably would have come out batters earlier. Yeah. But you say, take him out, let a righty face a righty, totally 100%, I get it. This is not Brett Anderson. This is one of the very best pitchers in all of baseball. You want him on the field for one more hitter. Then you go to bullpen in the eighth in a tie game, or who knows, maybe in an alternate universe, the Dodgers take the lead. Who knows what yeah. happens? Yeah. Then you go forward with the bullpen. Yeah, and it, it's also not like, not only is it Clayton Kershaw, but it's not like you're going to a pen that has been absolutely locked. This isn't exactly. the 1988 Oakland Athletics. You know, this isn't the 2014 Kansas City Royals. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have that lockdown bullpen. So we've seen it over 162. The biggest question mark over maybe a third starter is the bullpen. You know, it's been a big question mark. So why on this stage would you go over your horse, go into a guy that might get it done for you? It's 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 saddening. And if they lose this, I, I think the heads are going to roll. If they lose this series, Mattingly is gone. And that's and that's now the conversation. And he won't be fired because of Pedro Baez, but that'll be one of many things that probably add up to it. Right. If they lose this series, I think, I hate to say it, but I think then you probably have the right... The right sounds like a weird way to say it, but you know what I'm saying. You probably have enough cause to let Don Mattingly go because he just hadn't – it hadn't happened in the playoffs. Right. They could still win the series. It's 1-1. A lot of stuff can happen. It's true. It's true. But you really wanted to leave L.A. 2-0. You almost left L.A. 0-2. We'll talk about game two in a minute here. That was mm-hmm. lucky. Let's be real. But you wanted to leave L.A. 2-0. You leave 1-1. That's dangerous. You got two games in New York, and New York needs just – two games right so you don't play that well on the road i just i go back to you know if you're gonna bring in a reliever in that situation bring in your best and your best is kenley jansen and if you're too old school to say well i don't want to throw my closer unless we got a lead and it's the ninth inning which is dumb in the playoffs i understand you want to set the role in july that's fine but in October, when you absolutely need a win, these are five-game series. You can't overcome a loss sometimes. Yeah. When you absolutely need a win, bring in your best reliever or don't bring in a reliever at all. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's 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 kind of overrated now. The the specialist, you know, era we live in now. Unless it's, unless you're Bruce Bochy, credit to the Giants, they do specialists very well. Jeremy yeah. Affel had a terrible year this year, but Javier Lopez, they know how to do specialists. Yeah, almost everybody else. Eh. Yeah, if you have the horses, yeah, by all means, like you know, get it lined up, and but just don't put a guy in there because there's a space in your perfect template of where there has to go a guy. Make him earn it, you yeah. know. And it, it's like, yeah, give those guys chances earlier in the year, but it's like now now that it's coming down to it, I just I, I like Peter Baez's arm and all that stuff too, but. You know, sometimes it's just uh, it has too much of the play. And I think Pedro Baez could turn into a very good reliever. Yeah. Like, he's shown flashes this year, for sure. Um, he's a power reliever. He's what you want. He's just another one of those guys. Teams stockpile these dudes who throw, you know, 95, 96, 97, and he's kind of one of those guys. But even if Baez had gotten David Wright out, and the game had changed, and the Dodgers had won, and would have been, hey, they won, this is great, they're up 1-0, I still would have been like, you know... You probably should have left Kershaw. Numbers-wise, you probably should have left Kershaw in. Kershaw is going to get David Wright out more times in that situation than anybody else in the bullpen will maybe this side of Kenley Jansen. Yeah. And let, let's let's not lose sight of all this and like make it all about Kershaw, but you have to realize that uh, the righty Kershaw was pitching over the other side. That's, you uh, know, here's, DeGrom was 
amazing. So let me tell you something. Yeah. So the Rockies played the Mets, obviously, you know, home and home this year at City Field and Coors. And they interviewed all the Rockies players after this because the Mets rotations just stacked. And they interviewed Carlos Gonzalez. And they said, you know, the Mets waxed Colorado at both places. I think one like six out of seven. And they interviewed Carlos Gonzalez after and they said, man, what do you think about, you know, Matt's and, and, and Matt Harvey's great. And, you know, uh, John Neese is like a five and he's like decent. And then you got, you got Syndergaard and he's throwing a hundred. And I will never forget Carlos Gonzalez is like, you guys don't get it. Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher I have ever seen. Ever. And this is Cargo when he was hitting a home run like every at bat. Right. And Jacob deGrom is making him look stupid. And and hearing that and thinking, Jacob deGrom must be damn good for Carlos Gonzalez to say that now. Yeah. And then watching deGrom do what he did to the Dodgers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, you know, what he did in the All-Star game. It's like that's that's when most people were like, yeah. okay, he becomes a yeah. household name. And anybody who didn't watch the All-Star game, now he's a household name because he just... Absolutely shut down the Dodgers. But what I didn't know when I learned in the telecast is he broke in as a shortstop. Yeah. That's insane. That's, that's a lot of these guys. Like, the, like these pitchers are better athletes than you think. Yeah. They still can't hit for beans, but they're better athletes than you think. Granky aside, that man can hit. Yeah, um, yeah Jacob DeGrom special. And that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the Mets, for as weird as that inning was with Kershaw and the three walks and the clutch hit, besides that inning, the Mets got past first base once the entire game, and that was the solo homer from Daniel Murphy in the fourth or whatever. Right? They weren't hitting the ball at all, and that they was a bomb. And to Hatcher and and to Hatcher's credit, afterwards they didn't hit the ball in the bullpen afterwards. Yeah. So and Peralta, um, the Mets didn't do anything offensively. The Dodgers didn't do anything offensively, and Jacob Degrom just slightly outclassed Clayton Kershaw. And Kershaw then you know sputtered with the walks at the very end when it mattered, but. Jacob DeGrom's a stud. If the Dodgers see him again, if Game 5 comes around and it's 2-2 and DeGrom comes up again in Dodger Stadium Part 2, good luck. Dominant. I, and, I, and I'm sure that means Kershaw would go again anyway and you'd see you know him against Kershaw Granky, but Granky. good luck. Kershaw's coming back. Game 4? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have to. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, you know you're going to play four now because it's 1-1, one, one, so you're going to play at least four. Yeah. I think you, yeah, I think you absolutely have to bring Kershaw back. We'll talk about Anderson in game three in a minute. And and it's why they pitch Kershaw in game one. Yeah. Because he's more durable to come back on three days rest than Grinky is. So, yeah. Where, you know, you'll be able to bring Grinky back on regular rest, you know, if you had pitches in game five. Because so, Grinky gets. Is travel days. You're right, because it's Monday and Tuesday, games three and four, and then day off Wednesday, Thursday right. is game five. So. Um, all right, let's talk game two. Game two, uh, Dodgers win um, five to two. Um, boy, dude, the Mets—they're just rich on pitching, rich on young pitches, dude. <laughs> they are four. They roll that dude out there. They are. It's one thing for a Roldis Chapman to be throwing hundred miles an hour because he's only in there because he's jacketed up flamethrower. But have this guy, yeah. a starter, unbelievable. Shocking. Um, Syndergaard did pretty well, all things considered. He sputtered kind of at the end, too. Probably wasn't quite as, st- at least statistically, dominant as Kershaw, but Syndergaard, Dodgers were reeling on him for a lot of the day, too. Uh, although the Dodgers got a few doubles. Dodgers got four or five doubles and a couple of key doubles in this situation. Let's go to the inning everybody wants to talk about, though. Uh, Chase Utley 
bottom of the seventh, um, Bartolo Colon comes on in relief. Mm. <laughs> I saw a tweet. I don't know a ton about the Mets and Cologne, obviously, because we don't watch the Mets as much as we watch the teams to cover. Uh, and I don't remember who it was. It was a New York beat writer who said, you know, Cologne turned down relief opportunities with multiple teams, and he's in relief in the playoffs coming out of the bullpen with the Mets now. He either really loves Terry Collins or he really believes in what the Mets are doing or both. So kind of interesting. You know, Cologne's not at a place in his career where he has to pitch in relief. Yeah, He's a serviceable fifth starter. He's 100 years old. He's made a ton of money. He's not here for anything but pure enjoyment of the game at this point. Yeah, he's a serviceable four-star. Yeah. And, like, I think the guy's going to be that and pitch until he's about 46. Why couldn't and he? And then he could hang on as a setup man for three or four more years. Why couldn't he? You know, yeah, it's I mean, Jesse Orozco pitched for the Mets it, when he was like forty-seven. It's so ironic that one of the guys who's in the worst shape, like we have any room to talk, who's in the worst shape in all of baseball, is the one who's going to play till he's fifty years old. Yeah, <laughs> he's because the old, the last one, Julio Franco. Remember the hitter Julio Franco played forever, still playing in Mexico or somewhere professionally. That dude's cut. He's in great shape. He's fifty and he looks like he's twenty. Bartolo Colon's the opposite, <laughs> and he's just going to pitch forever. It just goes to show you, kids. You know. You got to test out those white blood cells, all right? Lead an unhealthy lifestyle, <laughs> charge those up, and uh, they'll serve you well. Genetics. Um, <laughs> um, he his career when he does retire, the the retrospective look back in reverse chronological order Ooh. on his career is going to be something. He's been a lot of places. He's done a lot of things. I mean, Cleveland, obviously, Boston. But he uh, he's something. Um, New York, Oakland. He's been everywhere. Uh, okay, let's talk about the play everybody wants to talk about. Cologne is the preface to it because Cologne was pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ground ball, Chase Utley uh, breaking up a double play at second. What is your take on Chase's uh, interesting slide? Dirty. Dirty slide. I agree, 100%. I mean, it's just, it's all good going in hard and all that stuff, but he didn't begin his slide until he was, like, level with the second base bat. I'm not even sure it was a slide. It was a tackle. Yeah, it was a tackle. It was like a slide tackle, like in soccer, you know, where you, like, go in, you don't get any ground at all. You just go in in the air and just t- attack the guy's legs. But, uh, yeah, it, it, that was sad to see. Um, you know, I'm all, like I say, all going for in hard, but, I mean, what is, you have to start a slide earlier than he did. So I, I heard, hope that doesn't, you know, there isn't a ring now around second base that is you have to start your slide you like know, before something, you hit the ring. Something like the like the half circle in basketball right under the right, right under the uh basket. That's that's an interesting idea. I Oof. hope they don't do that. I hope so too. Here here's the thing. There's a couple things. Um first off, let me say this. Neither one of us on this panel gives a damn about the Mets. So calling Utley's slide dirty as hell, which it was is objective. Is is it even if it's not objective, it's not biased towards the Mets. I don't care about the Mets. Yeah. In fact, if you held a gun to my head, I'd pick the Dodgers way ahead of the Mets. Right. I can't stand New York, and I know you can't either. It's just it's looking at what is good for baseball. And what is good for baseball is hard baseball. You want to play hard, that's great. But what is not good for baseball is when a guy breaks his damn leg in the playoffs in a key situation deflates everything that's going on in that game because this sideshow controversy because you're not playing the game the right way. You injure a young guy. I know it's not a huge star. It's not too low. It's not Derek Jeter. It's not Xander Bogarts. But you injure a young guy who's important to a team. You ruin a team's playoff chances in a crappy way. You know, in a weird thing. Um, 
a couple thoughts, I guess. It's a dirty slide. It's a bad play. Utley's not the first to do it. He's not going to be the last. Mm-hmm. It's not this. This controversy is not Utley's fault. This play was, but the whole controversy is. You know, everybody does it on every team. Yeah. Here's the thing. Rule six o one six point o one parenthesis six. Let me read you this rule. Oh yeah, I got that one. That's um. Oh, no. <laughs> if in the judgment of the umpire, a base runner willfully and deliberately interferes with a batted ball or a fielder with the obvious intent to break up a double play, the ball is dead. The umpire shall call the runner out for interference and also call out the batter runner because of the action of his teammate. In no event may bases be run or run scored because of such an action by a runner. That's in the rule book. That hasn't been enforced in 40 years, mm. at least. If you're going to put it in the rule book, it's like the strike zone. If it's going to be what it says in the rule book, enforce it. Right. And if it's not that, change it. Take it out. You know, right. that's I think where baseball gets con- confusing for kind of uh, casual fans. It's like, wait a second. So this is a rule, but it's more of an unwritten rule that you don't enforce. And the guy just kind of has to be within reaching distance of the bag, but he can maybe throw up an elbow. But if he throws up a cleat, that's too much. Yeah. But like, uh, wait a second, you know? Well, it's also like in this day and age, it's kind of like, you, do you want the ump to enforce this rule? Because there is a lot of kind of subjectivity that you're asking the umpire to, yeah. to, to base it on. And they've been trying to get away from that, to, you know, to just make it a rules game. And like, that's why we have replay. It's all about getting it right. But this was non, white, this was but, non-replayable. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. This was a non-reviewable call. So it's like, wait a second. If you're going to get away from the subjectivity, I agree with you. And I disagree. I hate replay. But if you're going to do this, and this is where right. baseball's going, right. make these things. You can replay this. And those four umpires together watching a replay would have said, this is no. This is not cool. Right. You're out. You're out at first base. The ending is over. It's still a tie game. Who knows? Or, or it's still a uh, a Mets lead. Who knows what would have happened? Yeah. Um, but go ahead. By letter of the law there. Does that mean because the throw they said kind of took them off the bag and therefore like the neighborhood play was off the table, is it off the table that he's trying to complete a double play? I don't think because, so. I mean, maybe. That's a good point. Because are the rules different if it's just a force out? Or, I don't. I still don't think yeah. so. Because the, the idea is willfully and deliberately are my keywords in that thing. And maybe I'm looking at it differently than you. That's a good point. But willfully and deliberately interferes. So in the Arizona Fall League last fall, 2014, they'll probably do this again this year. The Arizona Fall League has been kind of a proving ground for new rules. They did the pitch clock in the Arizona Fall League last fall. It went to the minors this year. It's going to probably come to the majors soon. Uh, Another rule they did last year was on every double play, no matter what, you had to slide directly into second base. Regardless of when you got there, regardless of your breakup intent, your foot had to go directly into second base. And if it did not go directly there, you were out. The guy running to first was out. I think that that's another test rule for them that's going to come to the minor leagues next season and come to the majors, if not next year, then very soon after. Yeah. So it's I, I think a change is going to come, and it should. Yeah, and it seems like the natural progression from switching the thing at home plate. You know, if it's all about the safety of the players, you know, and you're taking care of the, the catches with, like, not allowing guys to barrel ass over them or not allowing them to, you know, block the plate until they have the ball and stuff like that, and you're going to take care of them, and they are, they have full equipment. Yeah. you got to take care of the shortstop and the second baseman that might have a blind eye to a guy that's coming down bearing in on him, you know, and it's, it's, with bad intentions. It's And I think that's kind of the thing. And, and there's a, I know there's a gray area there, obviously, and, and Chris Guccione, the ump at second base, thought the gray area looked different than we thought it looked. So there's clearly a gray area. Yeah. But 
I look about what's good for the game, and what's good for the game is not Buster Posey getting barreled over, tearing up his frickin' knee. Say what you will about the Giants, and Dodgers folks hate the Giants. It is not good for the game when Buster Posey misses a year because of something that should have been preventable. They changed it good. It is not good for the game that Tejada breaks his leg in the playoffs. What if that had been Xander Bogarts in Boston, Carlos Correa in Houston? What if that had been one of these? What if it had been Corey Seager? What if it was flipped and somebody did this to Corey Seager? Dodgers fans would be ballistic, and they should be if this ever happened. It's not good for the game to see these young guys get injured on something stupid. You want to barrel into somebody and he flips over you and lands on his face when he's trying to convert a double play, as long as you're going into the bag and you slide? I'm with it. That's fine, man. Baseball's a tough sport. Right. But you want to go across the bag to start your slide, not even touch the base on the way, barrel into a guy before you hit the dirt and tackle him? I can't do it. And it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's Chase Utley or anybody else in this game that's bad for baseball. It's stupid. It it, it takes... It takes attention away from the game, <laughs> from what we should be talking about, because it was a key play in the game. The Dodgers scored four runs after it. Yeah. It takes attention away from the game. Nothing good comes of it. And here's the other thing. The Mets are going to retaliate. If the Mets don't retaliate Monday night with Matt Harvey, they're going to retaliate next year. So what happens if Matt Harvey goes inside on Adrian Gonzalez, something weird happens, and he breaks Adrian Gonzalez's wrist with a fastball? Mm-hmm. It's within the realm of possibility. You know, you don't want to see anybody get hurt. You don't want to see somebody take a ball. A- Andrew McCutcheon, I think it was last year, got hit in the ribs, broke a rib on a hit-by-pitch on somebody who was retaliating against the Pirates. Right. Well, do you want to see Jock Peterson or Corey Seager break a rib? You know, you don't... It's and I know I know those things are relatively unlikely, but with as hard as guys are throwing nowadays, you never know. And weird stuff happens in baseball. Yeah. I don't. I just injuries like this are bad for the game. You get injured in the normal course of play. Hey, man, sports are a risk. I'm with it. I get it. Yeah. You get injured when somebody's doing something they shouldn't be doing. That needs to get punished. I hear you. It's it's a sad state of affairs. Unfortunately, it comes on like the biggest stage of baseball. You know. Um, but I, I would find it hard to believe that the Mets would retaliate during this series. That's probably wait until next year, unless of course they get up in the next game. That's you the know, thing. Eight you never nothing know. early. Yeah, and it's bases loaded and uh, Utley's up at the plate. Yeah, he's getting drilled. Yeah, you never but, know. Um, or you know they retaliate differently. They don't retaliate by drilling a guy and putting somebody on in a zero-zero game. But that first double play with Corey Seager sitting at shortstop in his cleats. with <laughs> with Howie Kendrick at second base, Howie head on a swivel. You know because yeah. that first guy is going to come in. And that's and that's dangerous. I don't want to see Howie Kendrick get injured. I don't want to see Howie Kendrick or Seeger, who had nothing to do with this, right. you know, even roll an ankle and miss a couple games. That's stupid. That's really stupid. But something like that is going to happen because the Mets, as they should be, are mad as hell. Mm-hmm. And baseball is probably not going to do anything. To, I guess suppose they could. They're probably not going to do anything to Chase Utley, even without the injury. If Tejada hadn't broken his leg, I think you know you can't overreact and say, well, suspend Chase Utley for the rest of the playoff. Well. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe a game off wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I assume they're going to fine him probably. Retroactively, I would imagine. Maybe not. I mean, it's definitely something that has to be addressed in the offseason because, uh, you know, that's that's going to be a hot topic. And, you know, what has to happen for you to look hot at player safety? You know, does it ha- have to be like the NFL where old players are shooting themselves in the chest so you can examine their head? Yeah, but I guess that's a bad analogy. I think it's a great analogy. I mean, it's extreme, but it's a great analogy is, is everything in player safety, does it have to be so retroactive? 
Right. You know, or so many pitchers get hit in the head with comebackers. J.A. Happ had that scary incident with the Blue Jays a couple of years ago. Uh, this happened to a lot of guys, but pitchers get hit in the head with comebackers, and then they're like, "Hey, let's try to put like Kevlar in their hats." Like, I commend you for what you're doing, but right. why does all this have to happen so retroactively? Why did it have to take Buster Posey and a couple of these catchers getting blown up before you said, "Gee, maybe they shouldn't just have free reign on catchers"? Mm-hmm. Why do we have to have this before we even start talking about? You know what? Slide tackling somebody who's not watching at second base is probably a bad idea. I don't know. And and the other thing that's weird about this, not to dwell, but let's dwell slightly, um, because it was a key play in the game. Chase Utley, not that Corey Seager would do this, but if a guy at Seager or Peterson's age and level had done this, a young guy, playoffs for the first time, nervous or excited or anxious or whatever, I'd be like, it's still terrible, but at least I understand that you're probably maybe slightly in over your head. Chase Utley is 30-what? Yeah. How many times has he been in the playoffs? He's won a World Series. Talk, cool, calm, and collected. A veteran. Like, you know better than this. Mm-hmm. You know better than this on this stage. You know better than this in baseball. You yourself are a middle infielder. How would you react if you were at second base and somebody legitimately did that to you? And, I, you know, golden ruling it is kind of a dumb, you know, treat others how you want to be treated. <laughs> but how would you? I mean, that's the thing for Dodger fans. If, you, or if you're a Dodger fan, how would you react if this happened to Corey Seager? You would flip the hell out. Absolutely. You know, and you should. You'd have every, every right to. Mm. So I just... You know, I, I hate siding with the Mets. <laughs> I hate siding with the Mets, but it's it's a stupid play. It's it's dumb on a couple levels. It is. We were just delivering hot takes all day today. Just overshadowing the fact that the Dodgers won one. Well, and that's the thing. Overshadowing the next three, four hitters. Right. <laughs> it was double city. Um, you know, and, and actually overshadowing that the Mets' bullpen is just as bad as the Dodgers. If Bartolo Colon is your first line of defense, he faces one hitter. If Addison Reed comes out, boy, you and I have seen Addison Reed a lot in, like, Chicago with the White Sox, in Arizona with the D-backs. That is, that is almost Jim Johnson level. Oof. He is not a great reliever. I'm wow. sorry. Addison Reed has had some bad times. But since he's been with the Mets, he's, he's been done pretty okay. effective. He's done all he's right. He's been pretty effective with um, him, so. And for the Mets, for the Mets, it's funny, the parallel here. This was the time for Familia. You know, this was the inning. Bring in Familia in the seventh, because this was your inning to win. You were ahead. You were up 2-1. Bring in Familia. Shut down the seventh. Let him throw the eighth. And then hope you can get somebody else to do the ninth. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, th- this is all well and good. This is the way we want them to manage it. But they're not going to do something the whole way. They won't. And that's the problem. <laughs> in the regular season. But that's, and then switch it up in the postseason. But they won't. But that's – and that's that's another – you know, we talk about retroactive injury stuff. That's how slow baseball is. And that's the way it is. And it's a historical game, obviously. But it's frustrating sometimes. You're like, the seventh is the inning to win. The eighth is the high leverage inning. Put the best guy in right now. Besides the Rangers, and maybe they'll do it, maybe they won't. Besides the Rangers, I don't see anybody doing that for, you know, what, 10 years? I mean, it's everything slow. Yeah. you got to kind of change the structure of yeah. the stats. Like, change what a save is. Yeah. You know, like, make a hold and a save the same thing or something. Like, if you, so. They can, they can quantify high leverage situations. Yeah. So many runs that you're ahead, so late in the game and stuff. Can't you award, I don't know, a point system? Baseball loves keeping track of everything. Can you award a point system for high leverage outs? Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> I, I want these good relievers to get their money. Yeah. You know, but not pout when you're asked to go in in the eighth in a friggin' tie game. Yeah. You know, because it's a high leverage situation. Because you're not going to be in a safe situation. It's like, oof. So get them some type of point system, whatever, I'm all for it, where you can get a, you know, good, an ad, ad, 
an accurate, you know, feel on what guys are effective and what guys aren't. That's know? that's the save in and of itself. The save has only been a statistic for, what, four decades? Something like that? And so they've retroactively gone back, of course, and given saves and said, on this box score in 1904, this guy earned a save. Yeah. Well, you know, they weren't keeping track of them then. So you can retroactively go back with these high leverage points and say, well, how good was Trevor Hoffman? How good was Rod Beck and Lee Smith? And, you know, you'll find, and depending on how you do this, you'll find that the greatest closers ever are going to have similar high leverage scores. Dennis Eckersley is going to be insane in the high leverage thing because right. he was a guy who would go like four and five outs. You know, even old school, more old school closers are going to be more insane if they're going two and three innings. Yeah. But I think you got to do something like that to incentivize it for the teams because they won't do it on, the, on their own. And I would rather see Familia when it matters and Kenley Jansen the night before when it mattered rather than saying, ah, crap, Pedro Baez. Oh, well, get him tomorrow. Yeah. You know, hope we can rally. It's like, no, like, put your best reliever in now. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's, that's asking too much, I guess. It's probably a little unrealistic. It's... Whatever. And, I mean, it's like we said before, it's not exactly this lineup has really been lighting on fire. I know they have, like, good, uh, you know, stats as far as where they sit in the NL, as far as homers and stuff. But as far as, like, hitting in the clutch, that comes and goes with this team. And, you know, who say if you bring in your closer in a high-leverage situation in that next half inning, your team is going to put on a couple runs, you know? But if but they do, even ideally, better. Yeah. Well, that's ideally what you want. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get out of the high-leverage situation, get some insurance, and then you can bring in your setup guy to mop up the ninth for, yeah. you know, six, seven, eight in the lineup or whatever, you know? But, yeah, I mean, we're always away from seeing that. But Jeff Bannister... My oh boy, he's he's of that ilk. You think I the Rangers it. will do that? Well, the the thing that works in his favor is because like they didn't really have a closer this year. Yeah, and Tolleson just got thrown into it. Tol- and Tolleson so- is like in the Cy Young conversation on the fringes, but he's in that conversation. Fringes, very fringe like. But uh, I'd put him top five, wow. maybe fifth, but I'd put him top five wow. in the AL. But yeah. Well, he he didn't he didn't use him in a, a closing situation. He did. He came in with uh, what's that kid's name? They got him in the uh, Hamels deal. Not Kella uh, or whatever his name is, Coloni Kella or whatever. Nope. It's the other guy. No, it is. I don't know. It'll come to me. It doesn't matter. It's the Rangers. That's true. Uh, who might be in the World Series? That's my oh, pick yeah, from the AL, my friend. No, um, me too, buddy. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, but my pick from the NL is already out. <laughs> who was your pick from the NL? Pirates. Pirates yeah. yeah. Um. Not stream. to be overshadowed, because we've now overshadowed it for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Zach Granke. Zach Granke gives up two solo homers in the second third, second inning. Uh, phenomenal before and after enduring. Um, it, listen, if you're going to do what you're going to do with, with a guy like uh, Cespedes, give up a solo homer. Right. That that a one nothing does not burn you as much as two guys on base. You know, no. it does not burn you as much as the David Wright bases loaded single. When you attack the strike zone as much as him and put a premium on not walking guys like he does you're going to give up some solo shots it, it just happens i mean you gotta you gotta like what you're getting out of zach Greinke. yeah you can give up a couple of solo shots 110 pitches 70 strikes no walks five hits two runs in seven innings he only struck out eight i say that because the day before uh degrom struck out what 13 and, Cl- 13. and kershaw number another 11 11 yeah um so he only struck out eight but i mean Granky does what Granky does. Uh, not much else to say about that. He's phenomenal. Actually, it was good for him, though. As bad as Utley in that situation was in the seventh, 
Good for Granky. Not that the personal win matters, but it was good to see him get a win because mm-hmm. he earned it and he deserved it. It didn't happen for Clayton the day before. So them scoring with Granky as a pitcher record, I was like, hey, that's cool. Good yeah. for you. And what's huge is Agon's getting that that two run double. Yeah, that's huge because I mean this guy is their most professional hitter in the lineup, and he was kind of slumping a little bit. And coming in with the back injury, get him going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're gonna need him going because of all the guys in the lineup. If you have a runner on second base, and uh, you know, and you need a guy to knock him in, he's the one guy to select out of the lineup in order to get that done. So yeah. Absolutely. But, but looking forward to Game 3, or you still got some Game 2 stuff? No, nah, man, we're on Game 3. I will yeah. say this, couple couple shout-outs. Justin Turner, good Game 2. A uh, couple doubles himself. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Chris Hatcher. Loving Chris Hatcher's Two performance Two perfect right now. innings, throwing about six pitches an inning. <laughs> really efficient. Yeah. Uh, one of them, I know it didn't matter as much because it was in the loss, but the other one mattered a lot mm. last night, Saturday night. Uh, so far, so good. Yep, yeah, they may have found something there. And that's what they thought they had. And they didn't. Like, he got injured during the year. He had a bad year. But he throws the ball real hard. He's another converted catcher like uh, Kenley Jansen. Nice two innings for Chris Hatcher. Let's talk game three. Brett Anderson, what do you think? Brett Anderson, Matt Harvey. Um, I like that it's Brett Anderson. You know, Wiley veteran. He's had a good year, um, you know, kind of up and down towards the end. But I I think he's going to battle. I think he's going to battle. I'd like what. Would you like to see any changes to the lineup here in Game 3? I'd like to see Enrique Hernandez hit higher in the lineup. Okay. He hit 8th. He didn't start on Friday, if I'm correct. And he hit 8th on Saturday. I would like to see him, especially against Matt's the lefty, right? Or, excuse me, it's Matt Harvey the righty. Yeah. Even so, I'd like to see Enrique Hernandez hitting 2. Playing Senna? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I would put Jock in there this next game. Really? It's not a big sample size, but versus Harvey, two for five, and got a bomb. Hmm. Here's some other guys that I might put in there for you, okay? Okay. The Phillies middle infield. Oh. Yeah. You know what? I know. You're going to put Utley in in New York the day after. (laughs) I sure am. I sure am. Okay. And you know why? Six for 18 with a bomb off of Harvey. Really? In his career. Uh, And J-Roll. Put him in. I mean, Seager, you know, let's, let's check out how the playoffs are on the road from the bench first time. And J-Roll, he's not lighting the world on fire. He's only hitting 263 with a versus Javi, 5 out of 19. But two out of those five hits, long ball. And, you know, I like that kind of letting the veteran, you know, kind of chill for a little bit. And then, boom, springing him in that uh, away game. And, the, and those guys have played a number of games in City Field, a number of games versus the Mets. That's true. And the Dodgers play for the long ball. So if you put in guys who hit home runs, who have a history hitting home runs, however many they are, off of Matt Harvey, that's interesting. Oh. Um, I Then I, you have a Kiki to play with towards the end, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a Sega now, too. To I would – uh, Seeger hadn't done very much uh, offensively. So Hit a double, I believe, in game one. So. Um, with, with at least two or three strikeouts. So he's done what you expect a rookie to do in the playoffs. Right. Um, I will say, though, you can make a case for Seeger. I will say, I gotta start Howie Kendrick at second. I don't know, you know, that's one of your mainstays. I know Aegon is your guy. If you had to pick one guy in the lineup, right. it's Aegon, and then maybe it's like Ethier in that hierarchy. Yeah. But Kendrick is up there. He's one of your mainstay consistent he is good guys. Hitter. I mean he hit he hit pretty good this year, almost three hundred, two ninety five, something along those lines. But uh yeah, I, I do like Kendrick as a hitter. When uh when do you unleash the Puig? This next game. You put him in too. I got him in there too. Three uh, three for five with a double versus Javi. So I'm I'm Ethier's on the bench. Hmm. 
Actually, Etienne is probably in there. And Crawford is on the bench? And Crawford's on the bench. So Puig, would you put Puig in right and then Etienne in left? And I put Chalk yeah. in center. Yeah. And I put the two Phillies in the thing and then Turner and Agons with Ellis behind the plate. Hmm. Boom. That's who you roll out you don't there, put baby. You don't put Grandal behind the plate to catch Brett Anderson against a righty. You would do Ellis. I just think Grandal can't hit the side of a bond right now. And, you know, I think I like Ellis better as a receiver. So it's like if this guy's hitting better and he's a better receiver, it seems like a no-brainer. City Field, for what it's worth, is not a great offensive park. The Mets don't score anything in that park. Both teams have great pitching. This could easily – Brett Anderson's picking a good game to pitch only because the Mets offense isn't crazy to begin with, obviously. Yeah. They've had, what, 10 hits in two games. Uh, and the Dodgers haven't done much better. Um, but it's a pretty weak offense and a pretty defensive pitcher-friendly park. Uh, I think Brent Anderson do pretty well. I, I kind of am feeling that too. And do can, you think how short will the leash be though? If he gives up two runs in the first four innings, does Don Mattingly panic and bring in Bolsinger? Uh, I don't hit the panic button at two runs in four innings. Well, some guys do. I mean, this, yeah, you, I you've seen the playoff games. I mean, it depends, I guess, how they're. I mean, if they're squaring up balls left and right, you know, and they, it. He's or his command is way. off or something. And, you know, the outs he's getting are on line shots that hit a guy's, then yeah. Or his command, yeah. But if they're scoring on, you know, little bleeders and, you know, singles and stuff, then, you know, hang with the guy. Your, your offense got got to win a game in this series. Yeah. Goes without saying, uh, Monday is a must-win game for both teams. You go Anybody going up 2-1 in a best-of-five, I mean, you know. It's true, but going into this series, we didn't think we were going to win any game that wasn't pitched by either Grinky or Kershaw. That's true. So but this is that one game that is. This is what's so important about that, because if, if you go down 2-1 after this, which is a very realistic possibility, you better be damn perfect with Granky and Kershaw coming back, and you weren't the first time. Yeah. So Well, then it's really like you see what you got. Kershaw on three days rest, yeah. facing elimination. There is no big stage. Yeah. Go out and get it. Do you, you like know? the five game in the NLDS, or do you wish it were seven? I kind of like the five. It's fast. I, it's I, real fast. I want them to change the one to a two out of three, though. Yeah. You know? I'm with And that. I like that building as you go on. Two out of three, three out of five, four out of seven. I kind of wish they would do that in the uh, in the, in basketball. Yeah. You know, make the first thing, for, you know, two out of three, then three out of five, then four out of seven, four out of seven. But... Like is to is, is it too. too much? This is crazy. And we've also talked about shortening the schedule and doing like 140. Is it too much to, real quick before we finish here, yeah. is it too much to do two out of three in the wild card, best of five division series, best of five championship series, best of nine world series? Yeah. I think it depends on the matchup. If it were Royals and Giants, I would watch a best of nine. But some years you're like, okay, let's just get this over with. Yeah, I mean, there's something about Game Seven just rings true to me. Yeah, you know that I don't think Game Nine could ever. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just keep it seven. Keep okay. it seven. Four out of seven's fine. All right. Just wondering. Uh, that's it for us. We're wrapping up here on uh, Dodger Rep 360. So here's the thing, real quick before we go. Um, next Sunday, I am out. Cool. Uh, we are going to be doing our next Dodger show on Tuesday. I believe that is October 20th. Let me check the date real quick. Yes, that's it is. correct. It is Tuesday, October 20th. It is either going to be at 8 or 9 p.m. Pacific time. So if the Dodgers lose in the next three games at any point and the season ends, we are going to do a wrap-up on those three games and a full 
season wrap up, look ahead to 2016 winter, blah, blah, blah. If they win, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We got those games to talk about. We'll have the next series and all that sort of stuff. But Tuesday, October 20th, either 8 or 9 p.m. Pacific time. You can follow us uh, afterbuzztv.com. We'll have the schedule up every day. So if you check on Tuesday, you'll see the schedule. You can also follow me on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. You can send me a tweet. You can be like, dude, when are you doing the show? And I will tell you when I know for sure, which will probably be tomorrow or Tuesday. But October 20, that's our next day. That's our next show. Thank you, Mike. Um, last thoughts? Don't uh, say free Tom Brady. Don't say free Tom Brady. No, I mean, let's let's get some runs <laughs> for Brett Anderson. <laughs> Keeping it professional. I like it. That's All right. it. That's, uh, that's it this week on Dodger Rap 360. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Comment on, uh, on YouTube. We'd love to talk to you guys about the Dodgers. And we'll see you in nine days, October Woo-hoo. 20th, for our next show. See you guys. Yeah. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 